Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. It's a Wednesday edition of the PFT PM Podcast. I was getting ready to tape this about 20 minutes ago, and someone sent to me the story from Ken Belson of New York Times. And now we know why Jerry Jones is off the compensation committee. PFT reported late Tuesday night that Jones was no longer part of the six-owner group that is determining the parameters of the contract extension to be given to Commissioner Roger Goodell. I didn't know why. I didn't know how big of a deal it was. Jones wasn't a voting member. He had rejected an offer to take a vote three weeks ago at the league meeting in New York City. Arthur Blank offered it to him. Arthur Blank's the chairman of the committee. Jerry said no. The one thing that I assumed was that with Jerry no longer involved in the committee, it would be easier for the committee to get its work done, to finalize the Roger Goodell contract extension. Well, that may not be the case now. According to Ken Belson of the New York Times, Jerry Jones has hired attorney David Boyce to potentially file suit to block the Goodell contract. Here's the first paragraph of the story. Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys and one of the NFL's most powerful figures. I'm getting a call about that right now, but I'm going to go ahead and continue the podcast. Has escalated his feud with Commissioner Roger Goodell, threatening to sue the league and some fellow team owners over negotiations to extend Goodell's contract, according to two people with direct knowledge of the situation. Jones told the six owners on the league's compensation committee last week that he had hired David Boyce. He's actually currently under fire for representing Harvey Weinstein. But boys, a very high-profile attorney who has actually represented the NFL in the past. And when you've represented someone and then you're going to sue someone later, you get yourself into potentially murky waters from an ethical standpoint. There are ways you can do it. But it, it's, it's a delicate situation, to say the least. And this whole situation is delicate. And it's got the potential to explode because you don't sue your business partners. And if you do, you quickly become Al Davis. And Jerry Jones already has engendered plenty of animosity from his colleagues, from his partners, from other owners. The ranking owner title that he gave to himself, senior ranking owner, is another iteration of that same phrase that he's been using. There is no such thing as a ranking owner, and if there were, it wouldn't be him. But he is obsessed with taking on and apparently taking down Roger Goodell, even though he's only got four or five owners who support him. And I have no idea where this is going to go from here. But my goodness, if he files a lawsuit. Now, he'd have to have a basis for it. I don't know what the basis would be. I don't know whether he would argue that the compensation committee is exceeding its authority under the vote back in May that gave the compensation committee the parameters for outlining and negotiating the contract. I don't know whether there's some attack on Goodell and his job performance. 
I don't know what the theories would be. You don't just sue someone because they did something you don't like. You have to have a legal theory. There has to be something. Breach of contract. Some sort of fiduciary responsibility that's been in some way violated. Tort claims, which basically are fraud, negligence, misrepresentation. It's got to be something. You can't just say, I don't like what you did. I sue you. It's not like throwing the red challenge flag. Well, it is because there's a standard. You have to have an argument. You just can't throw it out there and say, I don't like it. Here, here's the red flag. There's got to be some basis for challenging it. And that is certain to come, especially if a lawsuit is filed, because then it's all public. We'll know. He told the other owners last week that the legal papers were drawn up and would be served this Friday if the committee did not scrap plans to extend Goodell's contract. As of Wednesday, there's been no lawsuit, and they booted him from the committee because of his threat. This is amazing. And listen, is there any doubt now that Jerry Jones instigated the Papa John's assault last week? He's trying everything he has. He's going internal. He's going external. And now this is essentially the Hail Mary pass. It's amazing to me. And it's first down in today's PFTPM podcast. I'm going to rip off the Monday format just because I got five things I want to talk about today. I'll call it fifth down. And also I'm going to wrap up by answering some of your questions because I've been getting some good questions. And I don't look at them in advance, which means you're getting them fresh. You're getting my response fresh. I could be lying. I could be. Speaking of lying, the Colts are liars. Second down, the Colts are liars. And just last week, GM Chris Ballard said, we don't lie. And then they lied about Vontae Davis. And I'm sorry, Colts fans. Your team lied. Vontae Davis left home on Saturday when the team went to Houston for non-injury related reasons. And we reported it. And then, of course, some of the people that cover the Colts who didn't have the scoop were trying to downplay it and piss on it. Well, it was a coach's decision. Well, if it was an injury issue, it would have been disclosed on the injury report. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. It wasn't disclosed on the injury report. That's why they called it non-injury related on Saturday. Because if you call it suddenly injury related on Saturday and he hasn't been on the report for weeks, more importantly, all of last week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, no injury disclosed. All of a sudden on Saturday, he shut down for an injury that he already had. He didn't fall out of the shower. You got a problem. So they had no choice but to call it non-injury related because they'd already concealed the injury. And I don't care about the details. The details don't matter. They hid the injury. They lied on the injury report. Patriots fans will be very happy to know that because the Patriots fans still are upset with the Colts for instigating Deflategate. When it comes to the injury report, however, the NFL rarely does anything. And I bet they won't do anything about this. More, though, on how we can prove this violation. It's very simple. Even though there's an issue of Vontae Davis being demoted by the coach and then Davis blaming it on the groin, bottom line is this. Davis said his groin's still bothering. He's been telling trainers it's still bothering him. And apparently today, we'll see what the official report says. But if he shows up on the report today as expected, as limited in practice due to the groin, unless he injured it between Saturday and Tuesday, the injury was there last week. He didn't play Sunday. Nothing else happened to make it worse. 
So the organization that claims it didn't lie. And, you know, general rule of thumb, if somebody tells you they're not liars, they're liars. Right? Don't tell me you don't lie. Just tell the truth. And we'll find out over time. We'll figure it out. We'll know if you're honest or not. We'll get a sense as to who's giving us the goods and who's giving us the runaround. We don't lie. We had a change in our policy about lying. The NFL had no comment. Now, back in 2009, when Brett Favre went from the Jets to the Vikings, and he joined the Vikings, and he was asked all sorts of questions about why he sucked down the stretch in 2008. Remember, the Jets were in playoff position, and then it all fell apart, and they didn't make it, and people got fired, and it was a mess, and Favre decided, I want out, and he went to the Vikings, which is where he wanted to go in the first place. He started talking about his biceps tendon. That's why he was bad down the stretch. He had an injury. I'm injured. I'm injured. I'm injured. The only problem is they disclosed no injury. And he kept talking about it and talking about it and talking about it to the point where the NFL had to do something about it. And even though he practiced and played, that's the standard fallback by these teams. Well, there's no violation. He practiced and he played. Well, if the guy's injured, you still have to disclose it. And if a guy gets treatment on a body part, he's injured. And he needs to be on the report. And they have a designation for it. Fully participated in practice. Open paren, groin, close paren. That's what it should have been for Davis. That's what it should have been for Favre. And they find Mangini, the former head coach. They find Mike Tannenbaum, the GM. They find the team. And then remember last year, Richard Sherman with the Seahawks. Coach Pete Carroll finally admitted that he's had a rough year. He's been playing through a knee injury. And people are like, whoa, whoa, what knee injury? Oh, wait a minute. This is news, literally. The injury reports are clean. There's nothing about a knee injury. And the NFL looked into it, and the Seahawks have a history of fudging the off-season workout rules, and Chris Mortensen at one point said they were going to lose a second-round pick, and ultimately the NFL did nothing. They got a warning. And the Steelers didn't even get that when they... It's another call about this Jerry Jones thing. The Steelers didn't even get that when they lied about Le'Veon Bell's groin injury and covered that up last year. Remember he had that groin injury, became a hernia, I think. He left the AFC Championship game early. That came out after the fact. And the Steelers, I don't even think they got scrutinized. I don't think anything happened. So, I'm, and I'm, I'm responding to the person. This is real time. We are taping the podcast and I'm taking care of other business. I'm telling the person who's trying to call me that I'm taping podcasts now free at 4.45 Eastern. By then, the podcast should be posted. All right, this is uh, compelling content. All right, multitask. Now, I don't think the NFL is going to do anything about it. Here's why the NFL looks the other way on cheating on the injury report, because so many teams do it. If they disciplined everyone who violates it, eventually politicians and media would look at it and say, this isn't just cheating, this is corruption. This is widespread. You've got a problem. And this injury report there, this injury report, it's it's just meaningless. 
and we need to take a look at this. Maybe we need oversight. That's what the NFL fears. So I think at some point the NFL decided there's so many teams that violate the rules, and this is just a cursory, meaningless thing that's put out there to create a false impression of, of equal access to information. I mean, the point, clearly, there's inside information to be had. And gamblers out there, go ahead and get to know people in the organizations. Go ahead. Because there's inside information to be had. Until the NFL takes better steps to ensure there's no inside information, the incentive is there to get to know players, to get to know trainers, to get to know the guy that washes the jock straps, to get to know anyone and everyone to find out what's actually going on. Similar point, I'm wedging this into second down. Similar point, the Leonard Fournette disciplinary deactivation. We all found out about it 90 minutes before kickoff. If you had him on your fantasy team and you weren't near a computer, you were screwed. Calais Campbell was on PFT Live today. He said that he knew about it a couple of days in advance. Now, there's no rule that was violated, but maybe there should be. Maybe if there is some sort of a deactivation of a starter for any reason. If you know a starter isn't going to play, especially a skill position player, you, you, you got a problem. You should disclose it. And it happens so rarely, I don't think the NFL will do anything about it. But it's something to keep an eye on moving forward. And the NFL said there's no rule. Well, okay, that's fine, but maybe there should be. That That's the point. Maybe there should be a rule. Because whether it's gambling or fantasy football, there's an impact. Now, the Jaguars still won and they covered. I assume they were the favorite. But for fantasy football players, and especially high-stakes fantasy football players, you had an issue. You had a problem. And, and it underscores the importance of checking websites like profootballtalk.com all morning long on... Game days. All right. Oh, one last thing on second down. I'm, I'm still multitasking. One last thing on second down. I, and this gets back to the Colts. I still think they lied about Andrew Luck. And you know, I'm going to choose my words carefully here, unlike what I usually do. If I was an ambitious lawyer in Indianapolis... And my next-door neighbor was a season ticket holder. I'd talk to him or her about whether it would have influenced the decision to renew season tickets if they'd been told back in January that Andrew Luck's not going to play this year. Or if they'd been told anything other than he definitely will be ready for the start of the season. See, I don't think you have to be told that he's going to be out for the year. I think that if Jim Irsay knew or should have known that Andrew Luck possibly wouldn't be ready for week one, and he went out there and he declared to the world he'd be ready for the start of the season, I think you may have some sort of recourse, not just on your own behalf, but on behalf of every season ticket holder. It would be a class action to be filed against the Colts for negligent misrepresentation or flat-out fraud. It gets back to what I was talking about earlier. You need to have a legal theory. You can't just say, I don't like this. Give me my money back. And, you know, I I don't know how many Colts fans are upset. I don't know how many Colts fans would have said we're not buying season tickets. I don't know that. But you could get Jim Irsay under oath and you could twist him up in knots very easily because he's the kind of guy, as I said, in connection with the Colin Kaepernick collusion grievance. You sit him down at the table, you put him under oath, you say, state your name, and he talks for a half hour. He would be his own worst enemy under oath. And he would give you, without even realizing it, everything you would need to have a successful cause of action 
for fraud or negligent misrepresentation. And all that, all that we need, not we, because I'm not going to do it. Number one, I'm out of the business. Number two, I'm not going to be in the business of suing NFL teams. But all that would be needed by that ambitious young lawyer in Indianapolis and his next door neighbor who may or may not have bought season tickets in reliance upon the fact that Andrew Luck would be ready for the start of the season. Just need some evidence that doctors told Jim Ursay, we're not sure. He may not be ready. We don't know for sure. There's no way to predict this. Anything like that. And Jim Ursay would have a problem, other than the fact that his team's not very good. He'd have a separate problem. All right, third down. Darren Ravel of ESPN reported earlier today that through the first nine weeks of the season, the ratings are down 5.5% over last year. Why is that significant? Because last year the excuse was the election is distracting people from following the NFL. Now this year the explanation is network TV, TV consumption generally is down 5.5%. And that really doesn't surprise me. Right? How many shows do you now watch on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime? You watch when you want to watch, right? For most of the shows that are on TV now, like I don't even invest time in them because number one, I don't know if they're going to be any good. Number two, I don't want to get attached to a show that may end up getting canceled. So I'll wait until a, a series has established a body of work, two, three, four seasons. I hear from other people that it's good. Then I'll start watching it. I don't want to be the guinea pig. See, that's what's happened now. That's what TV has become. For TV on traditional networks, and whether they're cable or broadcast, anyone who gets invested in those shows becomes the guinea pig. And you're going to get invested in a show that may go away. Or a show that, you know, you watch a few episodes of it. Like I watched one show this year, Will Remain Nameless. We watched an episode or two, my wife and I did, and it's like, can we get those two hours of our life back? Nope. But if we'd waited until it's on Netflix or Hulu or wherever... And people say, hey, this is good. It's worth your time. Then you know. And that's the extent of my expertise when it comes to media consumption. I don't think that applies to football, though. You know what you're getting with football. You're a football fan or you're not. You're watching the game or you're not. I don't think we can blame the reduction in the ratings on the fact that people aren't watching TV. And if the NFL just continues to circle wagons instead of getting to the truth, it's going to continue to have these problems. Now we'll see what happens after week nine, because last year the numbers recovered after the election. This year, if the election isn't the issue, the drop is going to get even worse as the season continues to unfold. So I'm not going to wear rose-colored glasses on this. And I've got a vested interest in the ongoing success of the NFL. I admit that. But I'm not going to say that this is something that it isn't. It's a problem. And the league has the resources and the incentive to solve it, period. And they should. And let's see if they do. Maybe that'll be one of the counts in Jerry Jones' lawsuit against the owners. All right. What are we up to? Fourth down. Teddy Bridgewater's back. When's he going to play? Not this weekend, at least not as the starter. Mike Zimmer told reporters today that Case Keenum will start, but Bridgewater will dress. He's ready to play. And a lot it's funny how many people are surprised by this. And, 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 I, and I understand. I understand that you're following the whole league and you're watching your fantasy team. You're not caught up in the nuances of the depth chart of the Minnesota Vikings, but this has been coming. 
Bridgewater was going to be activated today. Because if he hadn't been, then his contract would have told into 2018 and it would have sparked a major fight. And the Vikings don't want a major fight with Teddy Bridgewater. Secondly, he's healthy. He's ready. Clearance to practice is clearance to play. He could have played three weeks ago. He could have played in Cleve, uh, against Cleveland in London. They didn't want him to play on that slippery field. I know Mike Zimmer denied it. I don't care. They didn't want him to play on that slippery field in London. They weren't going to come out and say the field stinks in London. It does. It's slippery. We saw guys slipping and sliding. And now he's had some more time to get ready. He's had three weeks to practice. He's got to learn the offense under Pat Shermer. He's never played under Pat Shermer. A home game would be ideal. But you know what? If they beat Washington on Sunday, how do you not let Case Keenum start against the Rams? So the challenge for the Vikings is when do they flip the switch from Keenum to Bridgewater? And will they know when to do it? Remember when Sam Bradford was hurt and everybody knew that he should be out of the game? The Vikings were the last ones to figure it out. Will they be the last ones to figure it out? Will they have a plan? Will they have a statistical threshold that if Case Keenum falls below that, or if the game gets to a certain point, if we're down 10 points, we're going with Teddy. They need to give it some thought. It can't just be seat of the pants. They have to have a plan as to when they're going to put Bridgewater in the game. They have to. It's, it's irresponsible not to. I don't know whether they do or don't. All I'm saying is, if they don't, they got a problem. But if Keenum keeps playing well, I don't know how you justify benching him. But the moment he falters, you have to start thinking about Bridgewater. Because Bridgewater may not just help you maintain what you've done so far this year. He may be the guy that helps you take it to the proverbial next level. You know, last year, the whole Sean Hill versus Sam Bradford thing, they believed that Sean Hill could duplicate what Teddy Bridgewater had done his first two years in the NFL. Their hope was that Sam Bradford would duplicate what they expected out of Bridgewater last year. They expected a huge jump last year. His numbers haven't been great, in part because of the Adrian Peterson dynamic. Now that Peterson's gone, the quarterback can take over. He's got good receivers in Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, and Laquan Treadwell starting to come along a little bit. Michael Floyd has been a pleasant surprise at times. Bridgewater can carry the team. And even though Zimmer's not an offensive coach, I'm going to defer to Zimmer. Zimmer's going to know when to make the, the move. And they need to plan it out in advance, and they need to be ready to go. All right, fifth down. Josh Gordon. Back with the Browns, he gave some quotes today. My goal is to be the best wide receiver of all time. So I think any wide receiver, any position should see themselves that way. For me, that's always been my goal, and it's just been reaffirmed for me time and time again, and now being back in this situation to do it, I plan on seeing it through. I I like his attitude. And there's been a lot of talk this week about his admission that he smoked pot and drank before games. I got a feeling that if you knew how many guys did that, you'd be shocked. You got to put yourself in their position. I mean, for a lot of these guys, 23, 24, 25, they've been drinking. They've been smoking from time to time. Think about the stress and the pressure of what they do, especially at a road game. You're walking out to that stadium with 70,000 people giving you the finger, yelling at you, screaming at you, waiting for you to screw up. And then you got cameras on you. And you know, you know, if you screw up, everyone's going to see it on social media. And then if you're a skill position player, you're going to have people saying, you suck, you screwed up my fantasy team, you bastard. And then you've got the pressure of maintaining the lifestyle that kicks out the kind of money that can pay the mortgage, buy the cars, handle all the other expenses, 
there's a lot of pressure. So you take the edge off a little bit. Oh, and on top of that, wait a minute, on top of that, you got the risk of injury. You're walking across that white line after doing everything you can to get your body to a point where it's as close to 100% as possible, knowing that you're welcoming your body necessarily being less than 100%, whether it's a short-term injury that knocks you out for a week or two, whether it's something that needs surgery, whether it's a debilitating injury, or whether it's just this concern that constant blows to the head are going to result in serious long-term cognitive issues. So you got to be in the right frame of mind. you got to have just a little bit of a relaxation, a little bit of a looseness, a willingness to go embrace these risks. You got to have that, I don't give a shit mentality. And if you get it, don't have it naturally, well, you know, a couple of tokes, is it, they still call it tokes? A couple of pops, shot of whiskey, whatever. I mean, hell, they give them the ammonia capsules on the sideline. They huff ammonia to get themselves in the right mindset, clear their head, get out there and go do their thing. And what kind of pills do they give them to allow them to perform? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to understand why and how it could happen. And it, it makes sense. So Josh Gordon's back. He's clean. Let's see how he can perform without that little extra. And let's see if he can get back to being the guy that he was in 2013, winning only 14 games with a revolving door of crap at quarterback. All due respect to the guys who played quarterback that year, he had nearly 1,700 Receiving yards. All right. That's five down territory. Let's see what questions are floating around out there from PFT Planet. On this eighth day of November, I'm just filling. I'm buying time. Anytime that somebody on the radio or on a podcast starts talking about things that you already know or just prattling on, they're they're just filling while they figure out what they're going to do next. All right. Some questions. At StephenWise89, when does your wife ever see you? More than she would care to would be the answer to that question. I work at home. She sees me all the time. More than she would care to. She sees me in the morning. She sees me in the afternoon. She sees me at night. I'm gone during the season from Saturday to Monday. And she comes with me several times. So she can't escape me then. Yeah. Trust me. Her answer would be more than I want to see him. I'm around all the time. All the time. At Mafia Wars J Note, otherwise known as Joe Cummings, do NFL teams have specialists to treat addiction problems like Josh Gordon has gone through? I mean, they do. There's certain things that they have available. There's programs in place. I feel like they don't do enough, though. They have every incentive to keep guys from testing positive. It seems like whatever they're doing, it's not enough. Not enough at all. Jonathan Grella, who I think was once the PR director for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's asked this question. Is today the worst day ever for Jerry Jones to hire David Boys? And the link is to an item at philly.com. Harvey Weinstein scandal raises questions about tactics used by lawyer David Boys. Oops. I wasn't aware of these details. But there's apparently some some pretty strong comments and accusations against David Boys, and we'll see if that changes Jerry Jones' decision when it comes to the selection of counsel. I'm not going to try to figure it all out in real time. I'm going to study it. I'll write something about it. Maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow on the PFTPM podcast. At Benny the Spoke, 
Will the Saints continue to have success in the second half of the season? I, I don't see why they wouldn't because they have balance this year. You know, in past years, past three years, when they were 7-9 and nine each year and their defense was horrible, it was all about Drew Brees throwing for 5,000 yards and virtually willing the team to victory. This year, they have at Buffalo coming up. That could be a challenge. Washington could be a challenge. At the Rams could be a challenge. Three straight games that will not be easy. And then they have a visit from Carolina. They should be able to handle them. At Atlanta on a short week, they should be able to handle them, although in a division rivalry, you throw the records out the window. And then they finish with visits from the Jets, the Falcons, and a trip to Tampa Bay. You know, this reminds me a lot of the Vikings schedule down the stretch. Five tough games coming up and and a lot of similarities because the Vikings play Washington, the Rams, Carolina, and Atlanta over the next five weeks. The only difference is the Saints go to Buffalo while the Vikings go to Detroit. And then it softens up at the end. That 6-2 and two could start to evaporate. And that's, a, that's the thing about the NFL. When you only have a 16-game season, a record that looks good, like all of a sudden, not as impressive. Like 6-2 and two can become 6-4 and four very quickly for the Saints. Remember how 5-0 and oh became 5-2 and two in a four-day period, four period for the Chiefs? It can happen. I, I'd like to think that because of the way they're built now and the way they're winning games, they should be fine. But the schedule does get more difficult. At Dennis Houdat, if you could redo this past draft, would Kamara, Lattimore, and Ramsick all be top 10 picks? I don't know they'd all be top 10 picks, Dennis. I mean, look, be happy that your Saints are doing well, but top 10, I, I don't think they'd all be top 10 picks. They'd all be first-rounders, but I don't think they'd all be top 10. At the Impact 99, <laughs> if you ever wanted a day off or just didn't want to do the show, would you consider asking me or the Barstool guys to take over? No. Next question. I don't take days off, so it's, it's not an issue. It's not work. Like, don't say, oh, that guy works so hard. Oh, my gosh. Oh, when do you sleep? Oh, my gosh, you work so hard. It's not work, people. It's not work. And, and, and I don't like the whole, oh, that guy never sleeps. I sleep. Trust me. Now, I don't sleep a whole lot at night. I break it up. I get five hours at night, usually in an hour and a half. I'll sneak a nap during the day. Last night, I actually got six hours, so I didn't take a nap today. I'm probably going to be paying for it later. Not that you care. You'd rather hear about my fantasy team. Bottom line is, it's not really work. And, and I always hate it when, when people revel in the, the fact. I'm thinking of one specific former head coach who is an analyst on Monday Night Football who loves to perpetuate this idea that he never sleeps. Just, just be who you are, and people will notice. You don't have to wave the flag around about, about what, a, what a... Thank you for your service, coach. Thank you for not sleeping. All right, that was mean-spirited. Uh, <laughs> let's see who's next. Jason Schender, are there any college coaches that could realistically see getting an NFL head coaching job in 2018? I haven't really thought about college coaches that may be out there and that may be interested. Um, I I don't know at this point. I haven't heard any buzz. I I know that last year there was some talk of Greg Schiano possibly being on the list for some teams at the NFL level to get a second chance, which kind of surprised me, but I did hear that. And he's not even a head coach. But remember, he turned down, I think, a college job this past year. I think he may be thinking the NFL ship is going to come in for him again. And, you know, we know Urban Meyer doesn't want to coach in the NFL, and I don't know how many people really want him in the NFL. I, I, you know, it's amazing to me that more college coaches aren't considered, but when you look at the history, look at Nick Saban. I mean, how many college coaches have come to the NFL and been successful? Because for a lot of college coaches, their best skill is recruiting, and recruiting is the least important skill at the next level because it's all about free agency and the salary cap, your recruiting skills don't matter anymore. Money talks then. And the talent is sufficiently smoothed out 
because of the cap that you have to actually game plan and make in-game adjustments. And you can't just rely upon having superior talent week in and week out. Not that Nick Saban doesn't augment his recruiting skills with great techniques and coaching and all the other things. But, but look at what happened to him two years in Miami without the ability to stack the deck. So that may be it. At the Corey Wade, any chance the Giants clean house this offseason? I know it's uncharacteristic. And you're right, Corey, it is. But it's uncharacteristic to suck as bad as they suck this year. And now you've got the report from Josina Anderson, an unnamed Giants, saying that Ben McAdoo has lost the team. There's a shock. You walk in there with that hairdo. How could you not lose the team? And then he's suspending guys willy-nilly. The, the word willy-nilly doesn't get used as much as it should. And now they're talking about benching Eli Manning. Davis Webb's going to be in there. The wheels are coming off. It's bad. It's bad. And it's only his second year. And I think a lot of ego goes into this. I think owners don't like to admit that they screwed up. And that could save him. But I, I could see everybody getting run out of New York. And they rarely change GMs. But I think it may be time to move on from everyone. At the Impact 99, a couple of questions from Jeremy York at the Impact 99 today. Why are so many not taking the Steelers as a top AF3, AFC threat this off this season? I, I, I am. I, I think that the Steelers are in a position where if they can beat the Patriots Week 15, they can be the number one seed. And you look at the rest of their division. I, I pointed out, I think it was on the PFTM podcast earlier this week, or maybe it was on one of the videos that we do at, uh, at NBCSports.com that the Steelers were big winners coming out of, of week nine because the Bengals lost, the Ravens lost, the Browns are the Browns, and the Steelers are 6-2. and two. They double it up again, 6-2. and two. That may be enough to be the one seed. They've already beaten the Chiefs. They have a chance to beat the Patriots, and they could be the one seed and force the Patriots, the Chiefs, whoever, to come to Heinz Field. Not that the Steelers have a great history of holding serve at home in the playoffs. They've lost to the Patriots twice. They've lost AFC Championship games in Pittsburgh. But... I I, uh, I think that the Steelers are one of the, the three teams right now to the AFC that I take the most seriously, the Patriots, the Chiefs, and the Steelers. But I know Chris Sims is getting on that Jacksonville bandwagon. I, I don't know that they have the offensive firepower to win in January, but, you know, you get out into some bad weather, that defense steps up, maybe, maybe they're a, t- a team to take seriously. At T.E. Gensler, 14. Is it really big news the Giants are scouting quarterbacks? Don't all teams scout all college quarterbacks in case of injury, free agency, etc.? Yeah, I agree with that. And I saw that reaction after the story came out today. But it's different than just scouting any old quarterback. I think the mandate's been given to look seriously at the best quarterbacks because they're going to have a high pick and they're going to have a decision to make. And I think that the real story there, and I posted this later in the day, the idea that if you're going to scour the incoming crop of rookie quarterbacks, that means you're going to put Davis Webb on the field sooner than later because you got to see what he has. You can't figure out whether or not to exercise door number two, a rookie quarterback, if you don't know door number one, Davis Webb. you got to figure out what he has. He was a fourth-round pick. Dak Prescott was a fourth-round pick. Maybe you're sitting on a Tom Brady. you got to find out what he can do before you decide what you're going to do with that top pick next year. And right now they're going to be top three, top two, top three maybe top four. They get a chance to sink even lower if they lose to the 49ers this weekend. Boy, how the mighty have fallen. It was 2011. The 49ers and the Giants were playing for the right to go to the Super Bowl in San Francisco. And now, now this year, one's 0-9 and, and the other is is 1-7. It's just bad. Hashtag analysis. It's bad.
what else here? I'm looking for other questions. At Seth Toops, how does Teddy look? I mean, I, I haven't seen him, but I think he's good to go. I think he's ready to go. The question is, can he run the Pat Shermer offense? You know, Mike Zimmer said today that they've had the, the defense chase him around. You know, he can run, he can move, the knee is healed. The question is, when can he get back to playing the kind of football that they thought he was going to play last year? And he looked really good in the preseason last year. Remember, they had a nationally televised game against the Chargers from their new stadium. He looked great. So, uh, let's see what else we got. Yeah, Here's the problem. When I ask for questions, you know, get plenty of insults. I can take it. I don't care. Look, if this is the worst I have to deal with, People saying, why are you obsessed with Colin Kaepernick? Why do you massage Colin Kaepernick's balls so much? Why, <laughs> why are you a hack? Why, blah, blah. I, it's fine. I've been doing this long enough that I'm numb to it. And uh, if this is the worst I have to deal with, I can deal with it. I'm happy. I, I, I will not consider it work simply because people want to take shots. That's fine. The passion that causes you to take shots is the passion that brings you to the sport of football. And we appreciate the fact that you have that passion. And we appreciate the fact that you're listening. And as I always say, if you're still listening, you like the podcast. So subscribe, rate, review, lather, rinse, repeat. I'm going to get back to work at profootballtalk.com. I'm going to look more into this David Boyce, Harvey Weinstein connection. Also, the fact that boys represented the NFL six years ago, what kind of complication is that going to be? This Jerry, look, look, this is big. The, the, the idea that Jerry Jones would hire a lawyer and potentially sue his partners over Roger Goodell's contract is, is gigantic. And we're going to cover it from every possible angle at profootballtalk.com. May have more to say about it tomorrow. May have plenty to say about it on Thursday morning on PFT Live. I think we're going to have Thomas Davis of the Panthers tomorrow morning. So check that out. Download the PFT Live podcast and the PFT PM podcast. Thanks, as always, for some of your time. We'll do this again on Thursday. You can find the PFT PM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFT PM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.